HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by Chemists in the Kitchen by LabX, a love letter to science, cooking, and individuality. Subscribe for free at youtube.com slash labxnas. This week on Meet and 3, we're turning an eye to food at its trickiest, from imitation olive oil to the pretensions of 3D printers. We were just doing like a birthday party for one of the employees and we printed a steak just for fun. You know, a grape Jolly Rancher isn't going to satisfy your craving for for grapes. So, I mean, in a sense, it kind of multiplies the, the sensory qualities that we can love in the world. So basically you culture the cell in a bioreactor, it grows, and then ultimately at the end you come out with a piece of meat. Tune in to Meat in 3, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed podcast, we will be trying to help you solve the daily question that we're all faced with, which is what's for dinner? Each week, we will be speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community who are a constant source of ideas and inspiration and help us get dinner on the table every night. Today, I am joined by Lamise Atarbashi. Lamise is an MBA engineer turned TV chef and personality. She's an international culinary enthusiast with a focus on representing Arabian cuisine in a very fun and approachable way. Check her out on social media at Lamise Atarbashi. Welcome to the Feed Feed Podcast, Lamise. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for that intro, Alexa. It was amazing. And I really hope I live up to it. And uh, uh, <laughs> people like this uh, podcast. So thank you for having me. It's so exciting. Of course. Amazing. So let's do a quick little recap of what's going on with April is for Arab Food Month. Obviously, it's April right now. Yeah. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about that initiative before we get into your culinary past because I know that's a very timely relevant topic right now yeah so uh it's basically focusing on Arab food and it was initiated by two of my friends um and uh 
we're trying to focus a lot on Middle Eastern cuisine and Arabian cuisine in general, and uh, just trying to introduce it to people who are not familiar. Because let's be honest, Alexa, like uh, a lot of people are not aware of Middle Eastern cuisine or Arabian cuisine. They know hummus, falafel, shawarma, but that's about it. Like we're hoping mm-hmm. within this initiative to uh, shed some light on the food that we have. Like there's so many cuisines within the, the, the Arabian cuisine itself. There's so many countries. So in each country, there's so many uh, dishes and, and, and it's an opportunity for us to showcase it. And hopefully people would be intrigued to at least try a dish. Maybe you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like such a good idea. And is this initiative mostly happening like on social media or how is like the activation of this? Where can people see this information? It's, it's focused mainly on uh, Instagram and within the hashtag itself. So if you uh, click on that hashtag, you're going to see all the dishes and a lot of introduction and explanation of this dish and the ingredients. So it helps in uh, educating people about the cuisine. If you're not familiar with a certain ingredient, if you're not familiar with a certain dish, it really helps like an introduction to that. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about kind of your background. I know you moved over to the States from Dubai, but is that where you're from or what? what is your kind of your background? So I was born in UK. I'm a uh, multicultural. So uh, I lived in a house where it was British and Iraqi. My father is Iraqi. So uh, I was introduced early on to two different kinds of cuisines. And um, my upbringing, let's say, is, is, is very interesting because being exposed early on into, to, to these two cuisines, it, it helps like, with expanding your horizon to different kinds of food and uh, obviously your palate. So, and my mom is an excellent cook. She's not a chef, but, and I am a chef, but I always say that she is much better than me. She has this capability of coming up with recipes and her, her interest in food, like she's in her 70s right now and she still has that energy. It's never slowed down. And I hope <sighs> I can live live up to that energy when I'm at her age. So it's so, oh in, yeah, it's so intriguing to, to see someone who's so in love with that, with food. And I think, and I believe that I got that from her. So, uh, I, uh, in, living in, in the UK, I was in, 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 in an area where it was not my, uh, heritage. It's not my background and obviously it's not my culture. And I was living in a place that doesn't uh, celebrate my culture, let's say. So I lived there till I was 10 years old. And then we went back to uh, Iraq for a few years. And then we uh, went back to uh, Dubai. And uh, I left for late, later on to, uh, for Malaysia uh, for my MBA. But uh, within my family, I stayed uh, in, in Iraq. And I started to learn about the Middle Eastern food. However, my Arabic was so bad that uh, <laughs> because I never learned it, I never learned it. And, and people made so much fun of my Arabic until now it is made fun of because, uh, and, and it's not even my Arabic, even my English is. <laughs> so I'm not good at this one. I'm not good at that one. And, and I'm in between. So oh it's, my God. It's, it's, it feels like. Honestly, Alex, I feel like I'm out of, like a fish out of water. I, I don't belong to any part. 
uh, it's because of the traveling so much and you get to mingle with different kinds of cultures and different and in different countries you get that feeling of, of not belonging to anyone anymore because you're not speaking the language you don't have the accent and you don't understand the culture so it is it is confusing at times but at the end of the day I do appreciate the, the life that I had the experiences that I've got to uh, to go through and and all the countries that I got to visit so Regardless of all of that, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to live the, the life that I lived. And um, going back to the Middle East, it was a challenging time for me um, because you try to fit in. However, uh, like the mindset is different, the culture is 100% different, um, but I got to learn about the food and that aspect by itself is amazing. And um, my mother started to uh, heavily cook in, in, with the Middle Eastern food and ingredients and and uh, it intrigued my interest in food and how it started. It started exactly when I was nine years old. And this really what triggered my, my, my love for food. And it was through a, a kid's book. Like I was reading a book. I, I till now I love reading books. It's just, a, I'm fascinated and I'm trying to uh, teach my kids the same. And, and luckily Naya, my, my daughter, she is exactly like me. Uh, she reads like two books a day. She is obsessed. So going, back oh my gosh that's so cute yeah so going back to the book i don't i don't remember the name i don't remember anything apart from it having a recipe and i always say like imagine a mindset of a of a kid of a nine-year-old kid and seeing uh something written like a 200 or 400 gram of flour and but like you're not gonna understand what that is so Right. I couldn't understand what a recipe is. So what I did is I went to my mother and I told her, uh, mom, what is this? And she told me, uh, this is, uh, this is how you make a cake. It was a lemon cake. So, uh, I told her, you know what, mom, okay. Can, uh, can you tell me like, how, how do I approach? How, what, what can I do with this? She told me I can teach you how to do a cake. And so she helped me step by step on on how to make the cake and mix it and then put it in the oven and i and i sat like the oven was uh, on a lower level so i i i sat down and just stared at it for 40 to 45 minutes oh just <laughs> waiting for it to bake and obviously alexa once it was out i did not share it with any single person <laughs> i was so proud of myself uh, by creating something that that feeling of creating something from nothing I think anyone is fascinated by it. Like if you're if you're an architect and you build a, a create a building out of nothing, it's that feeling of you created something. And it's a, it's the first feeling I had when when I was nine years old of creating a recipe, of creating a dish, whether it's a savory or or a cake or whatever. It's that feeling of of you feeling proud and satisfied that you actually did it you made something and it's delicious not just something bad it's really good so oh my gosh uh, that that was the flame that started everything oh my god that is so cute and that's so like that's adorable and just like a, an amazing story and you have such like a precise moment to pinpoint when your love of food started most people you know it's obviously a lot more vague and just kind of like yeah, my mom always cooked and I liked it. Or, oh, I always went out to eat with my grandparents and I liked it. But you have such like an exact moment when you, you're kind of spark for 
you know, loving the culinary world happened for you. And that's like, that's the cutest yeah. story. <laughs> no, I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's nice to, to go back to it. And, and that's what I'm trying to, being a mom of two, uh, a six and a seven-year-old, I'm trying to implement the same thing that I, that I experienced when I was young. And luckily, my kids are starting at an even earlier age. Like my son is six, Adam, and he already knows, like, for example, how to make uh, pancakes and waffles oh. and uh, hopefully scones like we're getting there but <laughs> so but he has he's Alexa, got time and he has my passion not my daughter oh. my son has my passion and it's so so like you feel so proud when you see one of your kids is it's like it, it got transferred to them and I oh. think this is what my mom felt when when I uh, when she saw that I loved food and cooking so I imagine my mom felt uh, the same thing that I'm feeling right now oh my god that is so adorable and I'm so happy for you that you have that that kind of light to to watch in your son kind of like as you said pass down what your love to him that's that's so Thank amazing you. I love Thank that you he's so, so young he has so much time I mean he's gonna be if he's already doing pancakes and waffles and stuff now he's gonna be he's gonna be the next Gordon Ramsay I can tell yeah. <laughs> you know he gets upset. he's gonna be awesome so let me I know you told me a lot about kind of like your family dynamic with your mom being so involved in the kitchen and sharing her love of cooking with you but what were some of the like cultural dishes that you enjoyed as a child or, you know, some of those things? I know you were kind of living all over the place, but what were some of those dishes that you had at home that were kind of rooting you to your culture? So one, because I was into a multicultural family or household, uh, I got exposed to the lovely British comfort food and at the same time uh, the, the, the Middle Eastern and also the Iraqi kind of food. So uh, one day my mom would make a meat pie. The other day she would make dolma or kebab. And, 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 and that w- there was also a, always a mix between these two cuisines. And every day it was exciting to eat something else. So... To to this day, I still crave those British food that I grew up eating and I always make them. But at the same time, I still make the the, the Middle Eastern kind of food. And sometimes I even infuse the two just to to create something new and exciting. So it it is always fascinating when you think about how uh, or what kind of food you grew up and and how it it really affected the way you approach food. And I I, I credit uh, that hugely uh, to uh, how I see food now and how I create my own recipes and how I come up with a twist on, on, on the recipes that I'm introducing because it is not like 100% authentic. It's more of creating it uh, in a way that is much more faster and much more fun, but trying to maintain the, 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 the main ingredients of the recipe itself. So, um, yeah, that, that was my answer to your question. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So I actually, my family is actually British. So what are some of those like British comfort food dishes that you loved? What I remember is, is extensively is the gravy and the the pies a lot of yes. pies where it comes shepherd's to. pie oh shepherd's Mince pie see, yeah the shepherd's pie we even created a twist when i told you like we 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 infuse we infuse a, 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 like a pasta inside of it i know it's weird what? it's not even shepherd's pie anymore <laughs> but we came up pasta. with a new recipe because of our love for shepherd's pie so and we eliminated the 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 the, the, the mashed potatoes that's on on the bottom and on the top it's not even yeah. shepherd's pie anymore <laughs> yeah what even is that that's like lasagna 
it's but it started from the love of shepherd's pie like i would make them make the shepherd's pie uh once every a few weeks because my family loved it so much uh, however my husband came up with an idea of adding uh, to the mixture the inside mixture let's add some pasta the the the, the, the macaroni kind of pasta so I said, how can you do that? That this is an authentic British recipe. You can't, you cannot mess with such a thing. He said, trust me on this. And Alexa, he invented something so good. <laughs> I wow. cannot even begin. So going back to your question, it was a lot of pies and a lot of things that that had gravy with it. And and uh, the, the the mashed potatoes. Like I I remember the the, the veggie sides and the, the mash and and these pies. Uh, it was more focused on the pies. Uh, that's what I. Remember remember i haven't asked my mom uh like what other foods did you introduce but these are the, the ones that i that I, I grew up uh, remembering and there's even a sausage pie like she focused so much on creating things with pies so um that was the aspect of of, of the british food and the comfort food uh, that i that i was exposed to growing up oh my gosh so what was your mom making i know you said your dad is iraqi and what is your mom what was she making that was more like, I guess, from her background. She was making the, the British food, the okay. part of it, and and also she's uh, Kurdish, so she's half Kurdish, half British. So uh, she was infusing a lot of that, and she introduced me through uh, through that um, through her uh, heritage, through uh, with the, the the food from the Kurdish aspect. Like there's a certain kind of dolma only made in in the Kurdish parts of the world. So it's it's uh, a lot of it. Is Middle Eastern, so it was an infusion between the two, Alexa. So, uh, like, uh, I can go into details, but it's like it's it is confusing because it is like a mix between this and 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 and, and this uh, cuisine. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is presented by Chemists in the Kitchen by Lab X a new video series spotlighting the power of chemistry and how science and food can bring people together. It's a love letter to science, cooking, and individuality. In the first episode, three chemists swap cookie recipes, and once they finish baking, they ship them back to the recipe's owner. Along the way, they share insightful information on how chemistry can help you become a better baker. Watch the first episode and subscribe to the series for free at youtube.com slash lab X-N-A-S. So, Lamise, I know you had your lovely story of how you were inspired to get into the kitchen once you made your lemon cake when you were nine years old. So after that, what was kind of your culinary journey and how did your culinary life develop after that moment for you? So, in, in generally speaking, in the Arab culture, um, we are very familiar when it comes to uh, very similar to the Asian culture uh, when it comes to education. Uh, like you're either an engineer or a doctor, and you, you get the highest GPA, you're going to go with what you, the highest thing you can get. Regardless if you have a passion with something else, it, it doesn't matter. You're going to go and be an engineer or a doctor. So that was the only option that I had on my table. And going to my parents and tell them, you know what, I have a passion for food. Like 
it's not something you should do. Like it, it is not recommended. So uh, that being yeah. said, um, and it's also like there was never a career to consider, especially in the Middle East. Maybe here in the U.S. it's much more approachable, but in the Middle East it's not something like it's looked from uh, like in, in not a very positive way. Let's say so. That was never an option. That was not even a consideration. Um, so my approach was obviously uh, going into the engineer field and um, focusing on computer engineering. And my father being uh, um, an um, a doctor, a PhD, having a PhD in computer science, it uh, it really like set the tone for where I want to go, and uh, so that's obviously what I wanted to do. Thinking that this is this is what I really want, I only discovered like in in mid college in the third year that this is not what I want. This is not like my passion at all and but I had to finish like everything was paid and I have to just go with the flow so I completed my degree and and my major was actually uh, robotics and like mechatronics and uh, oh my god yeah like it was completely different it has nothing to do and and uh, there's always uh, I always say like you can uh, like be good in something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a passion for it. And, uh, and that was my, my situation. Like I, even, uh, when I, um, uh, applied for a job at Microsoft, um, I had to take seven exams for, for me to be even considered to get a job there. And that's seven exams wow. took me a whole year to, to finalize. So my, my, my journey in, in being an engineer, it was years of education, years of trying to get to where I wanted to thinking that was what I wanted to get. And so I, I got a job at Microsoft as a project coordinator as my first job. And uh, I got a very low salary in the beginning because it was my first job. And But on the promise of if I prove myself within a year, uh, they would offer me the double amount of salary. Thinking that I would not be up to the challenge, but I was within a, within oh. a year, I was able to double my salary and become a program manager. So uh, I was good, Alex. I was really good in my job, but I hated it. I, <laughs> I, I hated it. I would wake up in the morning, like lying in the bed and thinking, you know what? I cannot keep doing this. This is not what I love. And uh, and I, th I think you all agree, like and, uh, you and, and the listeners that... Um, you have to have a passion for you to be able to mm -hmm. enjoy. If you're not enjoying what you're going to do, uh, imagine what uh, this situation going on for the next five years. Like that's torture. You're torturing yourself while living. Like why would you do that to yourself? And, and with that consideration, I said, you know what? I can't keep living like this. I have to take that move of, you know what? Let's take it seriously and let me go follow my passion. And luckily I had a supportive system, which is my husband. He's so supportive. And, and we knowing that if I'm going to shift my career, that means I'm going to lose a six figure income and we're going to be depending on yeah. one salary only and, and downgrading our lifestyle and everything. And he was up for it. He said, you know, if this is what you want, then do it right now. And that's what wow. I did. But luckily, uh, Alexa, when I, I, I transferred, it wasn't uh, instantly. It was like gradually. I started uh, while I was take, like doing my job on the weekdays. I would uh, take my diploma in culinary arts on the, uh, on the weekends. There was a program specifically for people who had jobs. So I was fortunate to have 
access to that. And although right. I was living in Abu Dhabi, which is the capital of the Emirates, Dubai is a city. It is not the country. <laughs> Just people assume Dubai is a country. It is not. It is a city and it's not even the capital. So we would drive an hour and a half just uh, on the week uh, weekends uh, just to get to uh, my, uh, my school and I always remember that feeling like how did I know this is what I love I went before like signing up before deciding on that I went to the school uh, I was in between two choices I have never shared this before I was either considering being uh, an actress <laughs> or going with culinary field I'm not kidding I'm not kidding like these were two options I had I had a passion also for acting I love the camera. I love being in front of it. And uh, I assumed like the only way to do that was just being an, act- uh, being an actor. So I right. went to, the, there is a New York Film Academy in, in Abu Dhabi. So I went there and I did visit it. And I even got the director uh, touring me around the, the, the facility and showcasing all the classes and everything. But there was something missing. I didn't feel that I belonged. I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the next week I went to visit the, the culinary school. The moment I stepped in, I felt I belonged 100%. Like I knew this is where I belong. Like the feel, I I can still remember it so well. Just being in the the kitchen, in the culinary school and seeing people so focused on creating a recipe. From that moment, I said, you know, this this is it, this is it. And that's when I decided this is going to be my focus. I I had no idea what I was going to do, Alexa, like career-wise. It was just like approaching my, my passion. But what was the next step? There was no plan. There was no plan. So I said, let's just take it step by step and we'll see where it goes. I, I had no concern, like, well, am I going to go work in a restaurant? I had no idea. Like, there was no, there was no plan. But it was just following my passion. So I was taking wow. the classes on the weekends and just finishing my job uh, as a program manager on the weekdays. And luckily, like, I started to create, I was one of the first people who created a Facebook. Like, I'm so old. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> Stop. Stop yeah. it. Um, you did what you had to do. Yeah. So um, I, I was one of the first people who created a, a, a Facebook and uh, started to upload my recipes and just sharing. With, and our, my approach was a bit different from people in, in the Middle East. I, I approached it from not a fine dining cuisine, but plating. I did a lot of plating. I was fascinated by the concept of plating a dish. Uh, usually our food is like piling it in one large uh, dish and just, you know what, yeah. just share. <laughs> but Yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, my approach was completely um, different. Sorry, my mic fell. So uh, um, I wanted to like focus individual dishes and, 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 and showcasing that. So, uh, I got a lot of backlashes. I'm not going to lie. People did not like that because he said, this is not enough. I, I would tell them you can go get some more, Like this is not, I'm not defining the quantity of how much you want to consume. It's just plating it in a presentable way to make you feel hungry. Mm. So, uh, that was my approach. And, and luckily I got noticed from a TV channel there in Dubai. So they sent me an invitation to be on uh, a live show. So imagine like from going from zero to live show. Yes. That was, oh my God. That, oh, I, when I remember it, Alexa, it was so funny. Like when they told me, they, they, they called me and said, we want you uh, on our show. Uh, it is a seven minute segment and just try to showcase a recipe uh, or two. And that was the mistake when they said two. 
I thought about two. three. So I thought, okay, if I can do two, maybe I can do three. Oh boy! <laughs> and that's oh boy, yeah, inexperienced person. Keep in mind. So what I did is I took a full suitcase of ingredients and uh, <laughs> equipment, thinking that you know what, this is what I'm gonna need. This is what I'm gonna be able to produce within seven minutes. And my, I'm I'm telling you, my husband did not like that at all, at all. Like he was carrying that bag with me and and hating every <laughs> minute of it. But you know what? Like he was just going with the flow he did not want to upset me and he was trying to be so supportive of my inconsideration of 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 him in in general (laughs) (laughs) you were chasing your dreams yes so uh, we i went there and obviously like i only used a few ingredients from the whole bag and and uh, it was very exciting but i was good i was i felt i belong like talking about food and and loving the camera i had no issue with the camera although a bit intimidated in the beginning but i just got in there and, and I felt I was uh, home. And uh, once the segment was done, they said you did amazing and all of that. Within uh, a week, I got a phone call from the vice president of the channel himself. And he said, we saw your segment and we're seeing your food on Facebook. We want to have a, a full uh, cooking show just for you. Oh my gosh. This happened so fast. And this is why I was still working as Microsoft. Like it happened one after the other. And uh, I obviously, I obviously said, yes, why not? (laughs) Going into something I had no idea, no training, no experience whatsoever. And they had no experience because they were not a cooking channel. They were a regular channel with all type of, of, of shows, but they wanted to include a cooking uh, show within uh, their segments. So uh, lack of experience from my side, lack of experience from their side. We had so much fun the first year. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the mess we made in the first few days trying to figure out how to approach it. It was, it was fun. Like, it was an, a really interesting experience but you learn a lot from me uh trying to talk and trying to smile while cooking i think you know you know how hard that is because usually when you're cooking or focusing on the you're concentrating exactly how are you supposed to smile while doing that so that was something i had to learn so fast because uh, we rented um a kitchen, a studio uh, that had a marvelous uh, kitchen. It's, it, the, the company is called Miel. It's, I think it's a German. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay, so they they have like the kitchen equipment and all of that. And they had a studio where people can go and uh, host like cooking classes and all of that. So we rented that on the the most expensive uh, road in Dubai. It's called Sheikh Zayed Road. And if you want to rent something that that is very, very expensive. And so we were able to book it for a month. um, And we had to finalize these recipes within a month. So um, that being said, um, we messed up the first few days trying to uh, uh, understand how to maneuver on the camera, how to be presentable, what to say, what not to say, and, and all of that. But it was it was fun for the first year. The second and the third, it was was much much easier, and and that is how it happened. And once I I realized this is uh, like everything was opening up in front of me, I just quit my job and said this is what I'm going to focus on. So when a person approaches me or just asks me this question is it worth following your passion or is it too late i would always say it's never ever too late and and go for it Aww. you'll never know what kind of doors will open in front of you so yeah oh my god what a story my gosh and so <laughs> you've been doing this now full time for for how long 
before my kids, and I have to emphasize on that, that this, this happens, Alexa, before the kids. So that yeah. <laughs> no responsibilities ever. You can do whatever you want. You can stay up late. Like we, we, we would record from 10 a.m. till 7 till 8 p.m. And it was fun. It was fine. And because I had nothing else to do, so it was really fine. However, when the kids came, and uh, that was in my second show, it became uh, really hard um, with a baby like Naya was still uh, two months old when I had to do my second uh, season so uh, with the responsibility everything uh, shifted and I had to um, like try to divide my attention between between the two so going back to your question it's been going since uh, and. 10 let's I think it's 2010 when I started to wow. take it seriously a bit so um and started to post much more uh, within 2011 and 12 so uh that was where the shift started to happen amazing yes. so you're doing this you're rocking you're rolling you're on all the social medias you're you're moving and grooving what but for when you're making dinner for you and your family what are some of the dishes that you're doing you know for your loved ones when I have time or when I don't have time? <laughs> I guess both. Both. Okay. So um, we are meat eaters. We, we uh, like, um, we, we love meat. What can I say? So a lot of our dishes um, are focused around meat. And we do a lot of stews where rice is a side dish. And there's a lot of stews where you incorporate a lot of vegetables in it. So... Because I'm trying to focus on uh, Middle Eastern cuisine and Arabian in general, I'm trying to focus uh, that a lot in my cooking because I want to perfect it as much as possible. Because for me, if I'm going to showcase a recipe online, it has to be tested a lot of time. And that includes my infusions and in, in, with me changing a little bit and, and infusing two types of cuisines, let's say, into one. So um, I do a lot of testing. And, and unfortunately, my family is the guinea pig. And uh, luckily... <laughs> Luckily, well, lucky them. <laughs> luckily, um, no is- issues have arisen till now. So I am blessed. I'm, I I do believe like um, a, a palate is something you can develop and uh, find taste in food. That's something you can develop and enhance throughout. It's not something you are born with. I don't believe you are you are born with that. You can actually develop it and and start to. Um, really enhance the way you cook by developing and 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 learning through uh tasting other food and and going to restaurants and trying food and and and, and trying to explore i think this really really helps with developing your palate and 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 try and and reaching a point where you can distinguish ingredients and know how to uh really uh work a dish and, and create a really good recipe um one of the things that happened to me um while in dubai is while i was doing my show um because I, I want to talk about the palate and how to um, uh, and and how to work uh, within ingredients. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, approached by a show uh, while I was shooting <laughs> my show, <laughs> and it was a competition. Like um, they said, do you want to participate? Where it's gonna be like you're competing with other chefs, and uh, the last if you get to the last six, it's gonna be a live competition on TV. And I said, okay, you know what? Like, uh, why not? I I, don't, I have nothing to do. I have no kids. I have no no responsibility. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> so, 
I said yes. And I, I had my first interview with them and I talked to the chef. They wanted to see my background, my experience. And luckily with my uh, culinary uh, experience or uh, education, it really helped me with answering yeah. these tough questions because the, the ones who were asking me were executive chefs and all of that. So first yeah. phase I passed, it was easy. I took a break from my show and I went and did the first uh, interview. And then I, I, I never put too much thought into it. I, I never thought it would go to the second uh, phase. I think we always doubt ourselves when you say, oh, no, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I don't have that experience that other chefs have. And, uh, and I, unfortunately, at that age of, or, or that stage of my life, that was my situation. I always doubted myself um, mm-hmm. because I was still new to the, the field. I, I didn't have like years of experience in comparison to a chef. Um, so um, I got a phone call before my, my uh, show. They told me today, you, you, you pass, you're within the, the six, the last six, and we're going to do a live show today. Oh, boy. Where, and that was like before my, because I, we were um, recording two, um, uh, two episodes a day. So um, I finished the first one. Luckily, it was in between. I told my, uh, my producer, I need to take a break. I didn't tell him why. I said, I need... <laughs> They don't know till this day. <laughs> don't know. Oh my god! Well, now they're gonna know. But now they're gonna know. Um, I took. A, I didn't know how they would respond to it. So I, I, I'm not affecting my show in any way. But I didn't know what they they would respond to it, and I, right, right. it wouldn't not affect them anyway. But I didn't want to get a ne- negative response. And it would affect my decision right, right. of going there. So I, I took the, the break fully. I went to the and I was like, even if with my full makeup and and and, and everything, oh, okay. they they put me in in, in, in a chef's jacket and like lights and cameras. I, I didn't know it was live live. Like the cameras were on and and they brought the head of culinary, uh, I can't remember the Institute over there. Like he's, he's a German chef. Ui, I can't remember his position, but he's a very, very well established chef over there. And he was the judge and two other executive chefs from different two restaurants. And, uh, they had like stay, uh, stay, um, uh, what do they call it? Like a table for you where you can cook on it and everything. So, Oh, boy. And uh, there were six and each number. And they, they started, okay, you know what? Now uh, let's, uh, um, we want you to, we're going to give you a box with 10 ingredients and we need you to come up with two recipes. And you have to like live do all of that within one hour. Oh my God. So, you know, it was like uh, Master Chef where they give you a yeah. box and you come up with these two ingredients. So I came up with two recipes at, uh, instantly, a bulletin chicken where you take the, the you debone half of the, the, the leg of chicken and the thigh of the chicken and you leave the other one tangling and you stuff it with a mixture of minced uh, mushroom and then you wrap it up with bacon if you eat bacon, if not then with uh, turkey bacon or whatever. And uh, it, when you cut it, it becomes the, these... Uh, uh, circle uh, meat. It, it's a really uh, fascinating dish when you when when you do it, and it's it's really delicious. That that was one of the dishes that I came. It's a French one, and the second mm. one was a uh, chocolate mousse with caramelized peach underneath the bottom. So it, it, that, those were the ingredients I saw, and this is what I came up with, and. Uh, Every single, I was seeing Chef Uwe, like he was holding a, a, a book or, or let's say um, a copy book where he was, I saw that it was all of our names and he was putting these check marks in front of each name. And I unfortunately saw in front of my name the most checks. And at that moment, like I felt so, okay, what did I do wrong? 
did I do something wrong? Like, why do I have the most checks in front of my name? And I started <laughs> doubting myself 100% at that moment. But luckily, it turned out it was based on how clean your station was. And my clean Whoa. and my station was the cleanest, but I was just trying to go back to the point where you, you you so doubt yourself and and always see something and you think of it in a negative point of view, and that was my situation back then. However, like uh, cutting the story like to a short point, and and uh, luckily I, I won the, the the show back then and the competition, and I got a oh, yeah. Thailand. So <laughs> uh, that that being said. Um, culinary school really helps with uh, sharpening your t- if you have a talent for cooking it really helps with that and uh, for sure you need to have background about how to approach food i always see it as a chemistry between you and the food you have to understand the ingredients what to put first what, how to approach it what do you put last how to approach spices when to put it like this is all a chemistry and understanding mm-hmm. that really helps with creating a beautiful and, and, and amazing dish Wow, what a story. You're chock full of cool stories. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. So now that you've had all these like crazy experiences and you're cooking at home, like what are some kind of staple ingredients that you always have in your kitchen? So uh, and from the, the part of the British part of me will always have the gravy and the, mm-hmm. the, the Abisto, if you know that. It's a British no. brand. It's a British brand. It's like, it's a staple, 100%. I've been using it from the day I was born. Like my mom used to cook with it. Until now, I would order it from UK. I cannot live without what this. What is it? It's ah, like A-H-H-H. It's like, ah, Abisto. <laughs> it's a gravy. Is it like a, oh, a gravy. gravy. Okay, okay. okay, so it's a powdered gravy. You add water to okay. it and you create this gravy. So that is a staple. 100% I cannot live without that's so funny yeah so uh like I even ship it from from UK I'm I love it so much they have so many varieties and the other one uh from the Arabian let's say uh, culture I have a couple that I cannot live without is the Zatar uh-huh. 100% and the pomegranate molasses I, Ooh, I those are good ones I add that to everything like it's just so good who doesn't love sweet and sour like who doesn't that is oh god yeah that sounds so good I is pomegranate molasses do you make it or do you buy it you actually you can make it but like it's a three dollar uh, uh, um, a bottle it's not even worth it so but yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah you can buy it from the the Arabic stores um, it is and I I'm assuming it is also available on Amazon um, yeah, that's what I was thinking because I feel like I don't see it like a whole lot at stores in the U.S. But you can order it on Amazon or you know probably specialty stores. Yeah. But that sounds like a that sounds like something I need. <laughs> you definitely, I would rec- highly recommend it. Because whenever I've I've had it at you know in dishes at restaurants, you know I love it and it's it's delicious. So I yeah I'm kind of convinced that I need some of that. I also need to use some more Zatar seasoning in my life too, because that's another important thing that I feel like I'm missing right now. <laughs> it is so good. It is so good. Like uh, I cannot even imagine my life without them now. Okay. You maybe have me convinced. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we need Perhaps. to talk later on and showcase a, a bit of, uh, or a few recipes that I have. I'm, I'm definitely sure you're going to be convinced once you see yes. them. Yes. Yeah. I need to like, I need you to give me like Lummi's cooking 101. I would love that. I would love that. Yes, that's so fun. Oh my gosh. Well, Lummi's, this has been such a, such a treat having you on here. Was there any other important parts of your story or your culinary journey that I didn't ask you yet? Um... I think you covered everything. Um, 
I'm just right now focusing on, on representing this cuisine, this beautiful cuisine that I love so much um, through social media. I'm, I'm trying to approach it in, in a really fun way, Alexa, because I, I always put myself in other people's shoes. Like I can imagine like how they would see a cuisine they're not familiar with. So I always keep that in mind when I'm trying to showcase these recipes. So trying to create these fun videos that are 30 seconds long and, uh, and, and people get to enjoy. And I hope one day they will get to, to try these recipes out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And especially, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, with April being hashtag April is for Arab food month, um, you know, giving people that opportunity to kind of learn more and delve more into that cuisine that maybe they didn't know as much about, or if they want to learn more about it, or even just watch you guys making the food, (laughs) hopefully pick up some inspiration here or there. I think it's, you know, a really good time to be talking about this and kind of shedding some light on the different elements of that cuisine. And like you said, there's so much that people aren't familiar with about it. So hopefully it's kind of bringing that awareness. Yeah, I hope so too. Like, um, and I, I do want to thank you, Alexa, for giving me the platform to, to be able to talk about this. Uh, You are amazing. And I always love talking to you. Yes, an absolute delight. Well, Lamise, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed. And don't forget to follow Lamis, Lamis Atarbashi, that's spelled L-A-M-E-E-S-A-T-T-A-R-B-A-S-H-I on pretty much every social media platform you can find her there. (laughs) If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who has helped you solve that question, what's for dinner, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.